From The Addict's Guide to the Universe, A Roadmap to Recovery, by Emily Sussman. Chapter 12, Freedom. There's no big magical mystery in what addiction therapy is all about. In fact, I can sum it up for you in a single sentence. Helping people liberate themselves from prisons of fear so they can be responsible for living a good life. Or if that's too complicated, I can do it in one word. Freedom. The thing about freedom, though, is that it's not as fun and easy as most people think. Personally, I think that freedom is the absolute number one scariest thing about life in general. I know because I've seen a lot of people flunk out of freedom. I used to work as a group therapist for guys who had just gotten out of prison, doing a program called Moral Recognition Therapy. MRT started in jails and prisons back in the 1980s, and it was designed to help criminal offenders make good decisions and get their lives together. The emphasis is on staying sober, setting goals, and taking total responsibility for your life. The MRT workbook features an ominous picture of a jail cell on the cover, and the title doesn't beat around the bush either. How to Escape Your Prison As a therapist, I was big into MRT because it was fun, but also hardcore. It was like Fight Club for addicts, if you swapped the beatdowns for some highly moral decision-making, and if you had me instead of Tyler Durden cheering you on. But it was just as liberating and just as character-building, as long as the guys put in the honest work of change. The big motto of the MRT program was this, the more you play by the rules, the more freedom you will have. I like to write that across the top of the whiteboard in all capital letters. It always got some confused looks from new guys, but it wasn't long before they'd understand what it meant. When it came to rules, MRT had quite a few of them. Everyone in group had to live by these rules if they wanted to finish MRT, which they had to unless they wanted to violate their parole and get locked up again. So for them, following the rules literally did mean freedom. One of the guys, Wayne, made us a poster with all of them written down in big magic marker. Number five, what happens in MRT stays in MRT. Number four, no arguing with anyone. Number three, Respect yourself, others, and your leader. Number two, no drugs or alcohol. And the number one rule, honesty. Are you taking notes? Because those are good rules for any of us, criminal record or not. There was no question that the first thing you were required to do in MRT was the hardest. We used to call step one initiation, but officially it was called testimony. And that's exactly what it was. First, the new guy had to stand up at the front of the room in front of everyone, which was hard enough. Then, with no notes and no script, he had to be as honest as he could in telling the group how he'd messed up and wound up in MRT. He also had to end his testimony by telling everyone that he was committed to changing his life. Like everything else in MRT, change was not optional. 
Your typical new guy had no idea what he was doing in his testimony. And by that I mean, he had no idea how to be honest, let alone how to change his life. And everyone knew it. After he'd finished his story, he'd have to leave the room and let the other guys take a vote about whether he'd pass the step. Two out of three times, they'd tell him to come back next week and do it again. He was lying about everything, blaming all his shit on other people, the seasoned MRT guys would say, rolling their eyes. He's not ready to change. It could take a new guy a month or two to get real enough to convince the group he should keep going in MRT. But as humbling as the testimony was, everyone knew that the purpose of the program wasn't to humiliate them or to change them from being bad guys into good guys for society's sake. The purpose of MRT was to teach them how to be honest, to be able to see their own problems so they could fix them, maybe even figure out how they could make their lives better, happier, freer. Freedom, though, for your typical addict ex-con, wasn't a fun little choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing. It was a crashing boulder of a reality check that had just landed squarely on his shoulders. After being told for who knows how long when to sleep and when to eat, or, as the guys like to say, when to shit, shower, and shave, he'd been thrust into the world to fend for himself. Survival of the fittest. I tried my best to help, but not everyone made it through the group or back out on the streets. The graduation rate from MRT was decent, but it was what happened after they'd left the group that proved how much they'd changed. I still get choked up thinking about a guy I'll call William, a dreadlock 25-year-old who'd come to group every week in a three-piece suit. That's how serious he was about self-improvement. A few months after we threw William a pizza party for his MRT graduation, I saw an article in the paper about him. He'd been shot and killed while trying to break into an apartment to rob it. The prospect of doing life honestly, without shortcuts, seemed impossible for a lot of guys. I remember one, Eddie, who'd come into group after a 12-hour factory shift with his head hung like a hound dog, dark circles under his eyes. He was always trying to find a place to live, always trying to find rides to work, always trying to stay away from selling and using cocaine. Man, I can still picture Eddie saying as he'd flop down into a chair. I'm about to give up. This shit is no joke. By which he meant responsibility is no joke. Neither was stealing, hustling, hurting people, abandoning his kids, and going to prison, he'd be the first to tell you. But at least it was a defined way to live, with its own set of beliefs, attitudes, and yes, rules. Without all those, he felt as vulnerable as a baby bunny. Is this starting to sound familiar to any of you out there in early sobriety? The thing about your addict, as we've seen, was that he imprisoned you in one hell of a daily routine, and you clung to it like flypaper, even as you cursed yourself for staying stuck and miserable. That's why it always strikes me as funny when I hear newly sober people hating on 12-step programs because you're supposed to find your own personal higher power. Is that idea really more offensive than clinging to your drink, your drug, 
or whatever other addictive higher power ruled your life, telling you when to shit, shower, and shave? As humans, we seek security and structure, no matter how dysfunctional it is. Deep down, we breathe a sigh of relief when we get told what to do by our friends and family, employers, institutions, and society. Decisions are hard, and if they turn out to be the wrong ones, at least we can blame someone else. Just like those guys on parole, those of us in early sobriety feel completely unprepared for freedom. We become dishonest in our anxiety, throwing up every defense in the psychological playbook to shield ourselves from it. By acting helpless. By playing the victim. By resenting everyone we imagine is holding us back. Sometimes after we get sober, sitting slumped with our head in our hands like Eddie is all we have the strength to do. We can't understand why our life still feels so hard to control. True, freedom is what you get when you let go of your addict. But in order to actually feel free and live your life like it, you'll have to let go of a lot of other things too, like fear, anger, self-pity. But most of all, you'll have to say a long, sad goodbye to the idea that you can control anything on this earth other than your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Depending how you look at it, that's the good news and the bad news. Yes, from here on out, my sober friends, you can start getting comfortable with the idea that your well-being, comfort, and happiness rest solely in your own hands. Freedom is about showing up for your own life in an honest way. That means willing to feel your feelings, communicate your needs, own your decisions, and accept full responsibility for your choices from here on out. You don't have to do it alone, of course, but you do have to get used to the fact that help will not come unless you act to create that help. I'll tell you another thing, too. You don't have to do freedom all at one time. Just like sobriety, you only have to do it one day at a time, one honest decision at a time. How it is we come to embrace honesty and learn to make good decisions will be the subject of our next 12 chapters in a section of our roadmap here called The Tools of Recovery. But before I leave you for a two-week hiatus from the podcast... I want to remind you of some heartening words from Fight Club's own fearless leader, Tyler Durden. It's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything.